Welcome to Season 7 of the Prima Donna Podcast, Sonic Portraits of Australian Artists. This audio was recorded and produced on Wurundjeri Country, where I pay respects to Elders past and present. To find out more about the project and to hear more episodes like this one, visit primadonnapodcast.com. The second episode in this series features a posthumous portrait of jazz drummer and band leader Alma Kwan. Born in 1911 in Bendigo, Alma was one of seven children, with all the girls in the family taking music lessons from a young age. She moved to Melbourne in the 1930s and performed in the all-woman jazz band The Merrymakers with her sister Lorna. The Kwan sisters played with The Merrymakers up until the Second World War. In 1941, Alma formed her own band, The Joy Bells, a group of women from mixed cultural backgrounds also featuring Lorna. With Alma on drums, The Joy Bells played for several years at dances and functions in and around Melbourne and were still performing up until the 1990s. In 1995, an exhibition at the Performing Arts Museum titled Sweethearts of Melbourne paid homage to bands such as the Merrymakers and Alma Kwan and her Joy Bells. Alma and Lorna's Chinese ancestry was referenced with Chinese-style lettering on the drum kit, and their musical set occasionally included a popular Chinese song played on Western instruments. Alma gave dance lessons to children at state primary schools all across Victoria and was known for her hard work, focus and no-nonsense approach to both teaching and performing. She passed away at the age of 96. I was fortunate in preparation for this episode to record a conversation with Alma's nephew, Ray Kwan, from the Australian rock band The Blue Echoes. Ray has many fond memories of growing up at Alma's gigs and the special connection they had thanks to their shared love of music. All the drumming in this episode was performed and recorded by Luke Yong. Yes, I really, really appreciate the past, you know, especially when there's a bit of history and people of, you know, are very like yourself, are very interested in in all of this. And um, but it wasn't until she passed away that the real interest came out. She she initiated. Uh, I think she wasn't a follower, except that wasn't her band. I think after that, then she formed her own band, and because uh, she realised that the war was going to go on, I think. That's the way I think that she would have thought that uh, the war was going to go on for a while. So I think I'll get in on the ground floor. She got taught up at the convent up there at Rother Glen. And then she came down and I think that she, um, I don't think she went and had lessons at all, but there was another sister called Amy who lived in New South Wales. She was probably the best piano player. She was the best one of the lot. She used to come down from Sydney and they used to play force duos and all the rest of it. To my knowledge, she didn't get taught. She wasn't taught anymore. She just learned, you know, learned it herself. Alma, uh, I was always on a... Uh, we were on the same level. Uh, for example, you know, we'd go over and see her, and I'm this high, 10 or 11. She had no time for my uh, 
other members of the family, even her own brother and, uh, and my younger sister because they didn't play music. So she used to usher them out the back and she said, she used to talk to me like, um, come on, Raymond. She said, we'll go and talk some music. The others can uh, amuse themselves in the back room reading some magazines, you know. And so we'd sit down and we'd talk for ages and ages on music. She was interested in what I was doing and, of course, I was interested in what she was doing. And it got to one stage when our band, the Echoes, were very popular. You know, we were on radio, we were on TV, you name it. And she rang me up and whenever she rang me up, I knew that there was something happening. So I'd drive over to her place. She lived in Kew, lived there for years. And she'd call me in, sit me down like we're doing, and she'd say, now, Raymond, I need some information from you. She says, we're not getting the work that we used to. And they were in their 70s then, you know, and let's face it, they, they'd they probably seen better days as the band. A lot of them had passed away. She said, I need to get into this music that you're doing, this rock and roll music. And I said, oh, okay. She said, and I'll do a deal with you. And she was a very astute businesswoman. She says, I'll teach you how to do all the proper intros and dance tempos, which came in handy to me later on when I was doing the old time dances, you know, like the, the modern waltzes, all the six eights and they were he had to be right spot on so she taught me those and I taught her how to rock and roll and she was so grateful and I was so grateful too so we had that type of relationship and then she she said I'd like you to take over the band and uh, I said well I it was a bit of an awkward situation. She said, well, you're the only one with the Quan name. She said, no one else can. She said, and I wanted to, to go on. So um, anyway, yeah, she sort of memory started to go at that stage, so it, it never eventuated. Well, she learned piano, and uh, they... the. the Two girls, that's Lorna and Alma. Iris wasn't born at that time. They lived at Rother Glen. And their mum and dad, my grandparents, they came out from, or my grandfather did from China, and they set up a general store in Rother Glen. They had that for years, and there were seven kids. They got taught the music at a convent up there. And then when they came down to Melbourne, I think Alma then sought to learn the drums. And that's what she played at these big uh, teaching the kids at school. She would play the drums and because she was out there in front of the kids. And she'd also play piano sometimes. But, uh, you know, there's something up to about 800 kids at these schools. And I went out and saw them because I was one of those kids that got taught too at school. We all did, every all the kids uh, but uh, anyway, I went out to see her and um, just to give you an example of where she was at, if one of the kids started crying, you know, seven or eight-year-old kids, the normal mother female would say, now, don't cry, you'll be, you'll be right, what's wrong? Do you want a hanky dare, but not Elmer? Uh, she'd say, she's crying, 
please, can we replace her? And it was, even then I realised it was so embarrassing, but that's, yeah, the show must go on. Yeah. I think that her work escalated when the Second World War came along because all the guys went overseas. The only bands there really was uh, Elmer's band plus a couple of the others. So they got a heap of work. And I remember that when I was very small in the early 50s. I can remember, you know, my dad saying, well, Elmer's band are doing a lot of work. Because when the guys came back from the Second World War, they were one of the few female bands that kept going. A lot of them just fell by the wayside. Because she was a professional. That was her, you know, income. And she was uh, right into it. And they did all the mural balls. That one there was taken, I think it was at Maya, what they called before my time, the Maya Music Hall. That's where all the big functions was probably like the equivalent of the art centre, I suppose, now. So they used to do all those big private functions. They didn't record, unfortunately, to my knowledge. I've got no recordings of them, even at home here, you know, playing music, which is a shame. They all could read music, you know, they were all good. They didn't tour like overseas or anything like that, but there was just so much work, especially during the war years and everything. That's that's where they made their mark. And I used to look forward to going in on the train with my mother and uh, Alma played at a, a place called the Gay Paris, which was a a French-orientated eating place with a spiral staircase that used to go down and Elma could see me coming down. She'd say over the microphone, now my nephew Raymond is coming down, didn't mention my mum, and if he's in a good mood, I might get him to play piano. And I freaked out because I was learning classical and when you're learning classical, you know, your repertoire is very minimal. So, but anyway, she knew what she was doing and that sort of uh, made me comfortable in front of strangers from, you know, from about 18 years of age. That would have been in the mid-50s. When I was a bit older, they used to have functions, big functions that they play at once a year, being of Chinese extract. We used to have a, a, it was an organisation called the YCL, which is the Young Chinese League. And all Chinese used to go there. And Elma had the band, sit like that seven, you know, with the yellow outfits and they'd play there. And uh, she'd get me up to sing. And also she used to play at the uh, Cheltenham Repat Hospital. I think that's what it was called. It was a hospital for all the returned soldiers from the Second World War huge place on the corner of Warrigal and Kingston Road in Cheltenham. And, uh, you know, there'd be lots and lots of people there. And uh... There was a, quite a few private functions and occasionally she used to ring me, uh, ring me up 
and not me, but my parents, and say, um, look, I think you should take Raymond to this job that I'm doing. She said, I think he'd be very interested in it. And they might have played a little bit of rock and roll, you know, something. So that was good. My auntie on the violin was an exceptionally good player and she played at a couple of the festival hall shows that came out. Because when she passed away, I found a couple of programs in the case which are worth a bit of money now when Bill Haley came out. Her name is Lorna. Lorna. Lorna played violin, yeah. Now, well, they're all passed away to my knowledge now, but the trumpet player in the band Moya... Moya Brown, has her name come up there? Yes, well, she ended up buying Alma's home. When I was very small, she lived in O'Shaughnessy Street, Q, and then Alma moved over to Henry Street, Q, which was just over the road. Big house. And Moya Brown, I think I'm correct, bought Alma's place in O'Shaughnessy Street, and she used to, her and her husband had a circus act. <laughs> and, uh, and in O'Shaughnessy Street, she used to have monkeys there in on the premises, cages and everything. I used to love going over there. So she was a bit of a character. So Alma was married, but didn't yes. have any children. Yeah. And, and Lorna was married also and never had any children. Yeah. And mm. were their husbands supportive of their musical? Supportive, but not involved. Probably the only involvement would be that Lorna never drove anywhere, so her husband Glenn would take her some. Or I think in the early days they used to catch um, public transport, and I can remember my dad saying, and I said to my dad, my dad's got two brothers, and the last one just passed away a couple of years ago at 101, Dennis. Because I remember saying to my dad, I said, oh, I said, because my dad loved music on this piano too, the same piano. I got this in 1950-something, and Mum and Dad bought it for me. I've always kept it, you know. But I said, Dad, I said, why didn't you get taught music? And he said that none of the boys got taught music because Mum and Dad couldn't afford it, and their parents wanted the girls to get a good grounding which they did, but all the boys did was help them get on the tram and bus and accompany them on public transport. And my dad was really, um, he, he really would have loved to have learnt music. So that's why they insisted that I, that I, and Alma was very, you know, Raymond must be taught music. And there's a picture, I think, in there of all the family, and it shows the boys, that's Alma's brother, and brother and son playing the saxophone. Okay. They taught themselves a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but they never they never had formal lessons. Yeah. And uh, I was a pretty good golfer when I was about 13, I schoolboy runner-up, golf champion, Victorian schoolboy, and uh, only, and found out that that was in 1960 that uh, 
my dad didn't have long to live, so Alma uh, lined me up a, a, a job, and I had a job offered to me in the golf club as a, in a, a young kid, you know, learning all the ropes. And Alma said, no, Raymond will make more money playing music than he will playing golf. Now, initially, he she was right, but the golfers now, they... They earn much more than most musicians. You've been listening to the Prima Donna podcast. I would like to thank Ray Kwan, Kay Dreyfus, Claudia Funder and Luke Yong for their help with research and preparation for this episode. To find out more about the project and to hear more episodes like this one, visit primadonnapodcast.com.